sure thing today. Warren and Ryan here with you. It is December 13th. Lots to talk about in the NFL. Uh, so we'll touch on that. We'll talk about the exciting championship decider in Formula One yesterday. And who knows, whatever else might be on the table. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the iHeartRadio app under the podcast section. Ryan, how is it? Uh, how's it going? It's going well. Uh, you know, another... Uh... Another weekend in the books of the NFL, some good stuff, a lot of bad football, but, uh, you know, here we are ready to roll. Yeah, the, uh, there's been some bad games. There's some bad weekends lately. Yeah. Like really bad weekends. Um, I know some games got close, uh, towards the end, but there were, I mean, it wasn't really, it wasn't really a great weekend, um, in the old NFL. That is for sure. All right. First, before we get to the NFL, we'll start off with a little F1 action. Um, we had the championship decider Abu Dhabi yesterday between Lewis and Max. And I would say it lived up to the, lived up to the billing, if not more as, um, as it comes down to the last lap of the race after controversy scattered at the beginning and turn and turn i think that was six um and then controversy at the end and how everything settled but max wins with the last lap overtake over lewis um i mean lewis pretty much led 99.2 percent of the race max uh led that last about the last five corner six corners so he's the champion. I'm very happy about it. But it was a great race. It's very thrilling. Uh, Ryan, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, as that's a fake a... F1 fan, but tune whoa, a <laughs> hard F word in there. That was that's brutal. That's not that's me. It's not far from it. Not saying fake F1 fan. You just don't watch all the races. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think casual would be would be the uh, proper term uh, there. But uh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's about a, as exciting as you can get. If, uh, you know, you're trying to get somebody into F1, I think that's the race you put on for them right there. So they can, uh, you know, obviously the drive to survive, uh, notwithstanding, but you know, if, if you're just like, Hey man, just watch this one race, see if you can get into it, see if you like it. And I don't know how anybody could walk away from there and be like, eh, you know, I don't think so. Cause I mean, it had literally everything you could want in one race. Uh, you know, like you said, a last, last lap overtake. Where, you know, uh, in, a, in a in a race or in a sport where people think, uh, you know, especially Americans like NASCAR, where there's constant uh, people passing and whatever. That's not always the case in F1, but uh, it was just I mean, it, it was almost as, as scripted drama as you could get without it being scripted. I mean, it was just like I said, it was uh, everything you could want. I know Mercedes ended up protesting uh, the, the race there at the end that got dismissed or that got, you know, kind of. Uh, uh, push aside and then you could see two guys that are billed as guys that don't like each other there's a ton of respect for each other there at the end and you know they kind of come together and embrace each other so that's obviously always good to see especially two guys that are so competitive and two guys who was really one and two the entire season of uh who was you know gonna gonna take this thing and it was just like i said had a little bit of everything for uh for the fans in there i don't think max and lewis dislike each other though i don't Watching this year, like at the beginning of the season, they were always like very gracious with each other. Now there was towards the end of the season, probably starting in like Italy um, or maybe Silverstone, but going to Monza, it was 
you could tell things were getting a little sour, but I wouldn't, but that's just because they're racing for a championship. Like, I think they, they like still like each other. I guess. I don't know. Maybe Lewis, they probably just need some time to, to, they're probably not that. going out and getting a couple of Heinekens after the race together. Huh? They're probably not going out together and having a couple of Heinekens after the race. Not, not in the last month, but I, I think they might've done that at the beginning of the season. Okay. I do. I, I, I really do think that I think Lewis was really excited that Max was there to challenge him for the championship this year, because he's pretty much had a cakewalk the last three years to win um, the world championship. So I think he was really excited for it. Yeah. Now he was taken aback by how aggressive Max driving style is. It's a different style than a lot of people out there. So he has to understand that. But I think, I mean, obviously they have the respect for each other um, and we'll have to see this, but I think this is also great for the sport of F1 that, that Max won yesterday because it gives, it gives you a different, um, it just feels like, Hey, we got a little change here. Something's different. Mercedes still did win the constructors. So they split, they split constructors and then the driver championship. And that always felt like a fair thing. And I, and, and so I, I, I think it's good that you get like a new champion, something like, I mean, Verstappen is incredible. He should be able to continue to fight for world champions. Now there are new regulations next year, which really throws everything up in the air on how things are going because Mercedes at the beginning of the year was like, now we're just going to focus on next year's car. And then they made some changes. Red Bull, I don't think, really focused that much on next year's car this season. Haas said, we're not even upgrading our car this year. It's all just going to next year. So, like, how teams are going to be next year. The cars are going to be small, like, more narrow. So there's going to lead to more passing. That's what they hope. So a lot of things are interesting coming in uh, F1. But the race yesterday, going back to it, it, the, the F1 now... And the FIA, Michael Massey, the race director, I he gets, he is taking a lot of shtick today. He took a lot of shtick yesterday. Like I watched the post race coverage for probably two hours, two and a half hours after after the race because it was just so crazy. He's taking a lot. Of, you know, he's doing a good job because the Lewis fans are irate at him and the Max fans are irate at him. So when both when both sides are mad at you for what you did. Um, then that means you're doing a good job. Like the Max fans are mad because in that, in that um, lap one, turn six, whatever it was, after the long backstretch, he makes a lunge on Lewis, and Lewis goes off the track to avoid a collision after they already kind of did touch, and he gains an advantage because Max was ahead or he stayed on the track, and Lewis mm-hmm. got up to like a second and a half, and everyone's like, all right, he's going to have to re-give that position back. And he said, no, it's, you don't have to re-give that position back. And you're like, wow, what's going on there? Well, Michael Massey was pretty lenient for Max earlier in the season. And then at the end of the race, which pretty much, which which did get Verstappen the world championship, his decision at the end with the safety car, letting the cars go through the safety, letting the cars go through. So it could just be Max v. Hamilton for the last lap. And then Max was Max. When, when they decided to let those cars go through the four lap cars, five lap cars, but not the other three in the back, when they let the five between Lewis and Max go through, Max was always going to win the race because he had the, the fresh set of tires. Lewis was tires were cooked. Mercedes, strategy could be in question for yesterday, but Max was always going to win because he had the fresher tires and fresh tires, always pretty much win in those situations. Now, Lewis made a great 
try and recovery down the, the second straight, but he was always going to win. And then Max pulls away and he has it. But that decision was going nuts. Like the videos of Toto Wolf going, no, Michael, no, no, that's not right. Just yelling at it. Just shocked. Like it was so funny. The whole thing yesterday was great with drama. Like the cry, like yeah, I, I, I do love Lewis Hamilton. Look, I was rooting for Max because I, we, we, F1 needed a change, I think, or I just wanted someone else to win. Lewis is a phenomenal driver. I said that so many times. And, but his whining and Mercedes just constant whining is so frustrating to me, especially when like he's racing Checo Perez. Perez is a teammate of a century there holding up Lewis and just good hard racing. And then Lewis comes over the, team radio is like, oh, that's dangerous driving. And then they go to the FIA and say, oh, that's dangerous driving. The guy's like, no, dude, that's just racing. Like this constant whining from the Mercedes thing. And look, Red Bull whines too. But it's just so frustrating to me that a guy of Lewis Hamilton's caliber just wants to whine about some, and obviously he knows it held him up, but it's just like, come on, you're a race car driver. You're racing. That's what it is. We want to see racing. And that's what it was. Yeah, no, I I uh, I can't disagree. I think uh, I think a lot of that, and this could just be, um, you know, uh, I don't know, a little bit of American hubris kind of creeping in, but a lot of it kind of feels very soccer esque when some of this complaining and some of this, uh, you know, uh, bitching and moaning kind of comes into it because a lot of it seems like it's like like you said, it's like come on, like what what are, what are we doing here? What do you think? And uh, you know, so I don't know if there's just some kind of like leak over, just kind of like a culture thing because F1 is very European, and if you know that you kind of get that European feel of, uh, like I said, some some almost like the the soccer side of things kind of leaking in a little bit. Yeah, maybe I I maybe I just think I also just think that they're they haven't been challenged the last three years pretty much by anybody. Maybe a little bit by Ferrari in like 2017, but other than that, they haven't been challenged. And now they got a challenge and they don't, they see something slipping or they see something slipping out of their grips and, or hurting them. So they want to get every, I mean, you're also looking out for your every advantage you can get. Like if they're, they can get an advantage off of that complaining, then they're going to try and get it. I mean, I would say Max would probably do the same thing about that, but, um, so it goes, it goes both ways. The, um, but that just like irritates. That that is a big uh, irritation for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what else was I going to say? Oh, I will say this. So obviously, I think yesterday for and then that, and this is sports and everything. It was it was funny. The whole reason this Max got the championship due because was Latifi crashed with like six laps to go. Lewis was up by ten seconds and was going to win the race even though Max was on newer tires. Like he just couldn't catch Lewis. Like Lewis, as Christian Horner said. They needed a miracle for Max to win. They needed a racing miracle, a motorsport miracle for him to win. The Mercedes was just a quicker car yesterday. And that was that. And I saw someone on Twitter say, and I actually do kind of agree with it. Like, if there was a way the season, like, Lewis deserved to win the race yesterday, but then Max overall deserved to win the championship, I think, because he Mm -hmm. was, he had 20 podiums out of 22. I think, or 18 podium. Like he was, he didn't get on a podium in like four races. I mean, he was incredible this season. He had the most podiums ever. 
and he won 10 races. He won pretty much half the races. This year. Like he was the best driver from start to finish out there. And then Mercedes came on strongly. So like if there was a way where Lewis could have won that race, because Lewis deserved to win that race yesterday. And if Max could have won the world championship somehow, that would have been uh, a fair result. But that's not happened. And Max won the race. And it's pretty, pretty good. Now Mercedes is taking this to um, uh, the French appeals court, I think, this court of appeals or whatever, the sport of appeals. I don't know. So we'll have to see if what the judges say, because some of the rules are going on there. I don't know. So it's not over yet, but it should be Max's title. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's exciting. Uh, ratings for F1 this year were up 56%. I think the races were averaging about just under a million um, views. I think Richard Deitch and the Athletics said it was like 930,000 per race. The highest was the uh, U.S. Grand Prix at 1.2 million. That was on ABC. So it'll be interesting to see what what the race was uh, yesterday. And then I said that ESPN is there. The contract with F1 is up. So whoever, whatever media company signs F1 to whatever, whatever company gets their rights, they just need to simulcast Sky Sports. Just pay for the rights to simulcast Sky Sports. Like they, no commercial, there was not a commercial break taken from 6.30 when I turned it on until, um, what nine thirty when they got nine o'clock when they went off the air? Mm-hmm. Any other? If this if that's American TV, there's commercial breaks. Probably half some during the race. They'll put the little small box in and get a commercial in, and they'll mess everything up. They would be smart. Just stream, just simulcast Sky Sports. That's what they need to do, and hopefully whoever does it. Um, does that because that's the smart move there. 100%. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. Um, all right. So that's that F1. Great season. Under wraps there. They get first race is March 20th in Bahrain, and they are actually testing the new car this week in Abu Dhabi. So could be some interesting things coming out of that. All right. To the NFL. As we were talking about earlier, in the least in the early window, games were blowouts early. And then we got to some games, some closer games uh, late going on. The Cowboys defeat the uh, Washington football team 27-20. Last-ditch effort. Pretty, I would say, dominating first three-quarter performance from the um, Cowboys. And the defensive line was fantastic yesterday. That was definitely the best game. They have played all season long. They got all. They had Demarcus Lawrence in there. They had Randy Gregory in there. And Micah Parsons was doing his thing. They got a defensive touchdown from Dorrance Armstrong. They were wreaking havoc all over the field. The offense still, I think, needs. There is some uh, cause for concern of not finishing drives yesterday. Too many field goals in the 30-yard range. I would say they had three of them in the first half. Could have could have punched it in the end zone a little bit. So that's definitely a little worry. And then closing out, it got a little dicey there at the end, um, especially with the pick six to Dak. And that's a weird – that was a bad – just a weird play in general because the Cowboys complete that pass a lot most of the time. Like that's a pretty simple – pitch and catch for the Cowboys, but 
hey, it went the other way on that one, but they hold on for the win. And if they they didn't already have a commanding division lead, that definitely pretty much sewed up the division for the Cowboys and gets them a home playoff game. Yeah, that definitely kind of uh, uh, reestablished their grip on on the division. But yeah, the story of this game has to absolutely be the defense and that defensive line. Uh, they were just wreaking havoc all day from the jump, uh, whether it was getting pressure on the quarterback, whether it was sacking him, uh, deflecting passes, whatever it was. Uh, they were doing it. And, you know, obviously Micah Parsons forcing a couple fumbles. Randall Gregory uh, with the uh, with the batted ball to himself, the interception. Like they were just like you said, they were they were rolling on all cylinders. They finally had everybody healthy and playing together at once. And uh, you saw how how uh, dominating you know that that front four can be for them. And so, uh, you know, it was uh, for Cowboys fans, I'm sure it was great to see and fun to see that defense can play with anybody that defense travels, that defense can play with anybody in the NFC shoot in the NFL. But uh, the the offense definitely still has a lot to be desired. Dak still doesn't look sharp. Like he said, that that pick wasn't uh, was, you know, kind of. A little surprising. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know, normally uh, uh, make bad decisions or make bad throws like that. But even early on, there was a couple throws where he's overthrown guys. He had a bad interception earlier when he overthrew C.D. Lamb and threw right to Landon Collins. Uh, so you know, I don't know if it's still his calf that's bothering him. That's you know forcing these bad throws or what. But he he just has not looked sharp. Uh, you know, and if uh, if Washington was able to capitalize or you know able to do a little bit more than they were those first three quarters, you know, you might have a different outcome. But that defensive line was just so uh, overpowering that there really wasn't a whole lot they could do, uh, Washington, especially with as many injuries and and replacements as they had in their lineup. Uh, It didn't take a lot to to win this game. And, you know, a lot of times people say, hey, you know, you look at you look at the the box score and uh, Washington makes this game close there at the end. You could say, oh, the, the, the game didn't dictate how close the score or excuse me, the score didn't dictate how close the game was or whatever, whatever you want. But I think I think that score perfectly tells you what they you know, that like Washington had chances over and over and over again. They couldn't capitalize. And finally, they start scoring the ball a little bit. But uh, like I said, that defense just just wasn't letting a whole lot up. And so when you got, when you score uh, on, on defense, you got to take advantage of that and do it. But um, again, to go back a, a couple steps, the, the, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're excited about this defense because the defense can play anywhere, but the, uh, that offense is still very, very shaky, especially if Tony Pollard's going to be out uh, and, and you're going to have to rely a little bit more on that running game when it starts getting colder. Yeah. You say the final score was kind of, I mean, that game was over in the first quarter. Uh, that's, that's wrong. How was it wrong? It, it, Warren, that game that, that was that, that game was not over in the first quarter. It wasn't. You thought the Washington was going to come back the way that I, 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 yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't, I didn't know if they were going to necessarily come back and win, but I knew they were going to come back and make it a ball game, hundred percent. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, the game was they were, I, it yeah, they had the we're, possession we're gonna, on the, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, again. I don't think it was over in the first quarter. Were they up 18 points? Yeah, 100%. Uh, there well, at halftime, of- it was over. No, no. I seriously don't understand how you can say watching that game that you could look at it and be like, wow, Washington has any is going to come back and have a chance. The reason why they came back was the Cowboys just mailed it in at the end. In the second half, the defense started getting a little more relaxed, and they started mailing it in. The defense definitely got more relaxed. That's what they did. They mailed it in. They knew knew there was no chance Washington was going to come back in the game, and that was it. 
but then they did. Because the Cowboys mailed look, it in look, because they, they knew they they knew they never had a chance to lose. I've I've watched every single game of the last 30 years these guys have played, and it always uh something crazy always happens at the end. Or 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 something crazy always happens. These guys will always play it close. There's very, very rarely huge blowouts. There were two last year, and there was one the year before, but very rarely is there blowouts where it's like this game has zero chance of being close there at the end. It's just one. It's I mean, you've seen it tons of times. I'm sure with with the Ravens and with the Steelers, whatever, uh, that when these two teams get together, something weird happens. Now, I agree. The defense did take their foot off the gas 100 percent. And then uh, when I when I thought it was over was when Kyle Allen came in. That's when I really thought it was over. I was like, okay, this is this is this is a wrap. All of a sudden, Jonathan Williams and Jarrett Patterson get in there, rip off a couple runs and they get in the end zone. And then that pick six happens, and you're like, okay, this is this is kind of what I was expecting. This is where I saw this game kind of heading, is where it's like, oh, shit, now we got to start pressing a little bit. All right, I just thought that game was donezo at half early on. I mean, you could you could just see, like, you could see out there, if if the Cowboys defense, I mean, they don't let off the gas, it was hard to see how Washington was going to score. Really? Like, Heineke had no time to throw. They couldn't do anything on offense. And the defense was just dominating, and they go into halftime. They're up 24 nothing. They're like, all right, let's ease up a little bit. Hope no one gets hurt. Let's get ready for next week and and uh, get out of here with the win. Do everything we got to do to get to get a win, and that's what they did. Barely. Barely. But they still won. Yeah, no, no shit. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's the same thing like the like the Browns yesterday. The Browns went into halftime up 24 to 24 to 6, and the offense probably was kind of just like, oh, we're mailing this one's this one's on lock. Lamar Jackson is out. Um, we're good to go there. Lamar had one, had one, um, had one first down the entire time he was in there, and and uh, then the Ravens, whatever the Browns offense lets off the gas, loses the intensity. Browns defense loses the intensity here and there, thinking they're they're going to be in the bag, and then they have to get a, a key stand at the end. Like that happens in the NFL. That it it. Uh, but I mean, the Ravens actually had a chance to win the game. The the Washington, had, but it was like that's what happens when you have a big lead. You got to keep up the intensity, and 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 the same thing happened. But I I still really never thought the Browns were going to lose yesterday. Um, but it's it's like this. It's the same thing. I know you probably disagree, but that's what I think. I, and I'll say this. Tyler Huntley, he throws a better pass. He's, he throw, he's a better passer than Lamar Jackson. I'm telling you, he's a better passer than Lamar Jackson. I'm not going to say he's a better quarterback, but he's a better passer right now than Lamar Jackson. He yeah. was th- throwing dimes down the sideline. I mean, he was fan- He was great. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't see any of that game, uh, really. But um, when I saw Lamar went out, obviously the first thought is, you know, uh, uh, I have him on one of my fantasy teams. So, you know, that stinks. And then my other thought is, oh, I have Mark Andrews, so he's probably not going to go out. And then all of a sudden I look up and Mark Andrews was having a better game with Tyler Huntley in there. And then you go and look at the final stat line, and uh, I think he completed like 25 of 40 passes or something like that, Tyler Huntley. And you saw a couple of 38. Yeah, yeah, you uh uh, you saw a couple weeks ago when he comes in and leads them back to a win that uh, he gets gets in there and, and kind of takes over the game and, and is really a great distributor of the ball. And like you said, and he can make the plays with his legs. And so uh, 
it's uh you know nice little find there for Baltimore that when Lamar goes out is electrifying and as good as he is at quarterback they can find a guy that like you said might even be a better thrower and can still make the same plays with his legs so uh you know good on them but uh like I said they come up short that defense uh, Miles Garrett comes up with a big with quite a few plays and a couple of sacks which it's never easy to take down those running quarterbacks and he's able to do it. I'll tell you what though. I saw him return that fumble. I thought he'd look a little bit better running the ball. He didn't look quite as athletic as I thought. I mean, I know he's like six, eight and like two eighty of just chiseled stone, but I thought he'd look a little more athletic running with that ball. Didn't look as athletic as I thought he would. I don't know. I, th- I think he kind of just let up. He saw no one was going to get him, and he just kind of, I want to see, I want, I'd like to see him stiff arm or maybe give me a little jump, jump cut or something. Okay. Well, get a defender in front of him that he's got to go around. <laughs> Um, but Jadavion, <laughs> Jadavion Clowney after the game was like, I was hoping they put Lamar back in because he's uh, he's uh, not as fast as Tyler Huntley, which I thought was pretty funny to say. That is funny um, to say, and and interesting about that. But the, I mean, we've I've talked we've talked about the AFC North division. That's just a cluster. Um, that is just a cluster there. the the whole The whole AFC is a cluster as uh, yesterday the bucks win in overtime against the bills they fall a couple more they're seven and six two games behind the patriots they got a big clash in uh two weeks there um the 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 chargers get a win there the raiders looks like they finally have put the uh have have started to mail it in now with gruden and boy they're a roller coaster of a team um with Gruden on everything they've had to deal with this year. But I mean, the AFC in general is just a, uh, a mess. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen other than the fact that the Jets, Jags and Jets are not, not very good. And they're the only teams without six wins in the conference. Now all officially eliminated. Yes. Now all officially eliminated. The Lions. The Lions are officially eliminated. Officially eliminated as well. Um. But other than, I mean, the disparity in conferences really is something this year, I think. Um, and just the the quality of teams, the 49ers look pretty good. They're coming on strong right now. They they beat the Bengals. I, I, I mean, I haven't been sold on the Bengals all year, but the last couple of weeks is why I would uh, is why I'm hesitant of the uh, of the Bengals as they have two big games at home. And they they get down big. They do force overtime against the 49ers. They lose. But then they get the the doors blown off against the Chargers after they got down early, came back. Again, I just, I don't think you can trust. You can't really trust the Bengals right now. Yeah, I think there's a lot of teams, uh, you know, that are kind of in that same category of they play good games, they play close games, but uh, you just, like you said, if you had to, if you had to put some money on them, or if you had to pick one way or the other, which way they're going to go, you don't really feel too confident uh, in in what they do. But uh, it was a good game yesterday between them and, and the Bronco, or excuse me, them and the uh, the 49ers. and I think the 49ers are kind of a good mirror image of that team of the Bengals. That you know, those are two kind of the Spider-Man meme. Uh, those teams, two teams, are kind of the Spider-Man meme of of standing there pointing at each other, where they're good, they have really good flashes. Uh, but then they also have some head scratching moments of, you know, what are we doing? And, uh, you know, like I said, I think there's quite a few teams in the NFL right now that kind of fall under that umbrella. Um, yeah, well, I would say the most shocking thing right now is that the Bills with the point differential of uh, plus 134, seven and six. Yeah, they have the best, the second best point differential in the NFL and they're 
they're there. I know you think that they need a more uh, uh, running game. They ran it more yesterday with Josh Allen, but I they're just they're just kind of lost on lost on offense. And this this is also probably a regression from Josh Allen. Like yeah. last year was definitely like the peak of what he was going to be. And he was fantastic this year. He's taken a step back. Teams are figuring out ways to beat him and, and things along those lines. And Brian Dable and Josh Allen himself haven't done a good enough job of doing that and of, of how they can counter that. And he's, he's regressing this year and they don't really know how to, uh, how to overcome that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I've said it numerous times here before, when you're kind of a one-dimensional team uh, on offense, you're easy to figure out. And they did run the ball. I mean, he had over 100 yards rushing yesterday. He had a big game on the ground yesterday. But those are then, you know, extra hits he's taking and a beating he's taking, uh, you know, when like I said, when it's colder too. And so those hurt a little bit longer, hurt a little bit more. So if you were a more dynamic offense, not even saying that they have to run the ball 30 times a game, but just, you know, flashes. I don't, I don't think they had a running back rushing attempt in the entire first half all the rushing attempts came from josh allen in the first half uh so you know just like i said just just that added little flavor of of a running game just a little sprinkle of a uh, of something to change it up a little bit then you can at least kind of keep the defense a little uh honest but uh you know when you have a big arm and when you have some wide receivers that can make some plays for you obviously it's it's easy just to fall in the trap of hey let's just chuck the ball over the yard all the game long but again these guys are good these defensive coordinators are good they're gonna be able to figure it out pretty quickly yeah, but also the thing is, is that they're like they've said, yeah, we don't really care about running the ball. That's fine. But they're usually very successful when they've thrown the ball. Like their expected plays, uh, their EPA goes is in the positives when they're throwing the ball and it's in the negatives when they run the ball. So why would you not do that? Yeah. Like if you're going to have positive plays and you have uh, positive play outcomes and you're positive throwing it okay, a run here, you you should then run in a passing down to help try and scare the defense or to, mm. to get the defense on its toes. Like, that's what they really should be doing is running it maybe on some passing on some passing downs or when the defense thinks they're going to be in passing situations and then say if that's like third and eight, you run it, maybe a little shotgun run, you're going to go for it on fourth down if it's like fourth and two or fourth and three. Like, that's what that's what McDermott should be doing. Um, or if you want to do the run there, because if you just run it like every first down or all all that, then it's going to get stopped. Like that's that's just not a good that's not a good offensive way to run the ball there. Yeah. Um, all right. Elsewhere, the AFC, the, the Chiefs. They had a. I don't really want to take too much out of the Raiders game yesterday offensively, but I will say their defense is uh, playing really, really good since the. Really, the Titans game, I mean, since the Bills lost when they gave up 38 points, or I should say since the Titans game, sorry, when they gave up 27 points, they haven't allowed 20 points yet, and they've held the Cowboys, Broncos, Raiders the last three weeks to nine, and they held or the Cowboys, Broncos, Raiders, yeah, to nine, 14 points against the Raiders the first time. The defense for the Chiefs is playing really, really good right now, and that's what was just horrible at the beginning of the season in, like, their first five games but that has turned around and that is now leading on their resurgence of them winning six games in a row and things look to be better because their defense is playing good yeah no absolutely when uh 
you know, those mistakes that Patrick Mahomes was making at the beginning of the season were highlighted because the defense wasn't playing as well as they normally are uh, to kind of bail them out. And now they're playing above and beyond what they expected. So now you can see what this team can really do, you know, when they're causing, when they're forcing turnovers, when they're, you know, getting big time stops in spots and, and forcing teams to punt over and over again. If you have to punt to, to the Chiefs, you know, multiple times or numerous times, you're probably going to find yourself down pretty big pretty quickly. So, uh, this resurgence and the complete turnaround of that defense has been, uh, you know, pretty remarkable. And you see what happens when they're clicking on all cylinders, how, how good that team can be. Yeah. And the, look, I, st- I, I still think the offense is some questions, some question marks, like Kelsey's been taken out of a bunch of games here and there. Like they, they don't look minus yesterday that they, they don't look, they haven't looked that great. They've, <laughs> they've scored 40 points. And you, it's going to be hard. In two out of their last four games, they've scored 40 points. They were both against the Raiders. Yeah. And before that, they haven't crossed the 30-point threshold except against Washington, going back to that. So I would like – this is a this Thursday night game is a great one against the Chargers. It'll be interesting to see how the offense plays against the Chargers' defense, and I think that can be a little bit of a test um, going forward. So we'll have to see – on that, but the offense minus the Raiders is still, I think, a little bit of a question mark, but it's just not what they have gotten up there. All right, what in the NFC? Anything? Anything in the NFC? It's just kind of everybody's. You're either, like we said, there's kind of two tiers. You're either, you pretty much have a winning record. You got nine wins, eight, nine wins, or you're below 500 and fighting for a seven seed. Yeah, nothing really uh, jumps out from the NFC this weekend. You know, we'll, uh, We'll kind of see who is going to be atop the NFC West after tonight's game with the uh, the Rams and Cardinals and see if, you know, things kind of keep rolling that way uh, with the Cardinals, you know, being the cream of the crop of the NFC right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's your division leaders and then everybody else after that. Uh, yeah, no, it, it is. Um, I mean, who knows what's going to happen for that seventh spot? Just a total crapshoot. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the schedules look like down the stretch, but. Um, really have no idea who I would even favor in 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 a situation to get the seventh seed. I Atlanta, I don't know. Who knows? Really have no idea. Yeah, it's a it's, coin flip. Yeah, they're all pretty much the same teams right there. Yeah, they're all pretty much the same teams. All right. So last week we talked about uh, Quinn Ewers as he was transferring to Ohio State or transferring from Ohio State or in the transfer portal, he has now made his decision. I don't think this is a real shocker. He's going to Texas where he committed first. He was there down there for a weekend. And so he is the big, the first big Sark get, you could say. And he's able, obviously, to play right away, which I would assume he would be the starter um, going in. But uh, we'll have to see. And that's a big... uh, a big get for Texas as they needed some quarterback stability because Casey Thompson and uh, Hurds, Caden Hurds, um, just were not doing it. So we'll have to see what goes on there. That's what uh, that's what he needed. But I don't think this is really this is not a shock. Yeah, no, I would agree. I I, I would agree a, a lot that it's not a shock. I mean, they they mentioned A and M and and Tech were also supposedly in the running for. Uh, for landing Quinn Ewers, I didn't think that was ever the case. I figured if, like you said, especially because Texas was where kind of he committed to begin with, decommits, goes to Ohio State, gets a bag real quick, and then comes back. 
um, to Texas. It's going to be, it's going to be huge, you know, and you hope that it's going to, uh, uh, work out for all parties involved for Quinn Ewers for Sark and for Texas to kind of see if this is where the beginning of of turning Texas around and getting them back uh you know back into uh, the, the the good graces of of college football yeah but they still need a lot more talent out there obviously it's not just going to be uh Quinn Ewers he needs some receivers out there they need to be better on defense um they need a bunch of other stuff there but him deciding to go to Texas is still going to be a good thing. And the whole thing with Sark was, I think we've talked about it before, is that, okay, his recruiting, they didn't really hire him for his recruiting, I would say. They hired him because of his scheme. And they were going to scheme wins. They were going to have, if they had lesser talent, they were going to be able to scheme wins. And that just really, obviously, didn't work last year. Um, or it did work in the first halves of games. You could say, man, he was scheming great. But then the second half, he wasn't making any um, adjustments. And now here they are where they just blew all these leads and they were bad and they just kind of quit on the season, I would say, and went five and seven. So now you get some better players. All right, let's see if the schemes can improve in the second half and things like that. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to see what's going on there. All right. The one other thing I, I want to talk about, we have something I think pretty incredible uh, going on right now in the world of sports. There is a team that is not paying its taxes. Do you know who that team is on their arena? Uh, no, I don't. You are not aware of this. Uh, if it just broke today, okay. no. So this actually, okay, so there's over the weekend, uh, this was a big story leading into the weekend, but the Arizona Coyotes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Were about to get evicted. Yeah. They were going to get evicted, um, but they had the deadline, I think it was, the, it was um, December 20th was their deadline to pay... Uh, $1.3 million in taxes, including $250,000 to the city of Glendale. Well, they have now paid the taxes, They have, so they will avoid eviction. Me, personally, honestly, I was kind of hoping they would get evicted just to see what would happen. As an agent of chaos, I would love to see what the NHL would do. Um, but So they pay their taxes. This is obviously probably going to be their last season in uh, Glendale because... Um, they said they're not renewing the agreement after the season, at least the city of Glendale did. So they'll be on the move somewhere. But uh, this was a first I think I've ever seen a team almost getting evicted from their uh, arena. Yeah, this has been going on. This has been an ongoing battle for quite some time with um, the Coyotes and, and the arena, which back shoot probably 20 years ago before the arena was built they played much like most nhl teams do uh you know like it happens here at the aac they shared the arena with the suns in downtown phoenix and then uh this where they're at now which is now gila river uh arena was built specifically for the coyotes to go there and and use as their home ice and so you know obviously like the last probably shoot Maybe 10 years, might, that might be a little bit of overestimation. There's been this back and forth of, are the Coyotes going to stay? Are they going to go? Are they going to stay in Glendale? Or where are they going to go now? Blah, 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 blah. 
So it doesn't really shock me. The Coyotes owner is a scumbag. Uh, he He's very similar to uh, Robert Sarver, the uh, Suns owner. And uh, like I said, just kind of a, just kind of an all around scumbag. And there was talks <clears throat> last week that he was going to sell the team and the team was going to get moved to Austin or something like that. Houston. Uh, Houston. Yeah. Houston. And uh, so again, like, you know, there's, there's just been this ongoing battle before the uh, thrashers moved to Winnipeg a few years back. It was storied that you know, the coyotes were going to be the team that moved back to Winnipeg and became the jets again. Uh, obviously that didn't happen. So, you know, it, it, it's the team is so bad right now that it, nothing that happens will surprise me. Uh, they're five and five and 20 right now uh, with two overtime losses. Like they're just absolutely, they're just garbage. And they were good just a season or two ago uh, making playoff pushes. But uh, you know, whatever happens with this team really doesn't shock me a whole lot. No, I just think it's pretty funny that a team's yeah. not paying its bills. That's what yeah. I was bringing it up. Again. Yeah. All. No, no total scumbag move by the, uh, by the owner. Yeah. Um, but they got it, and then we'll ha- they'll have to see what uh, what happens as they play that out there. I will say, I've been on the money line on one of their wins. Really? That's, yes. That does not happen often. No, I was on their last win on the money line. One of the guys I follow said, hey, this is a good spot for Arizona. Wow. So I was like, all right. It was plus two. Uh, what was it? It was plus 280. I don't know. Something like that. It was against Winnipeg. They won one nothing. Nice. Um, and I was watching. I was like, God, just come on. Do not give up anything. But uh, it was the 29th. So, yeah, that was uh, pretty, pretty funny there. All right. Do you have anything? Uh, do you have anything else here? No, I don't I think, think there's really th- anything going yeah. on. Yeah, that was, uh, that was it. We'll get ready for bowl season coming up and uh, ready to ready to cook things up. Yeah, bowl season starts on Friday. So we'll have some. Uh, We'll have some picks there. Oh, one thing. Okay, did, I honestly didn't. I didn't watch the Heisman ceremony. I never watched it. But did you see the Desmond Howard stuff that he's been getting, or he's been getting flack for? So I was watching it live. Uh, I watched like the first. Actually, I think I watched the whole thing. It was at least on uh, while we were here before we put ended up putting a movie on later Saturday night. But uh, yeah, no, I did see, and it, and I admit it was very very awkward when he was. Uh, him and Aiden Hutchinson were kind of like talking crap about uh, CJ Stroud. I will just say that if Kurt Herbstreit did that, it'd be World War Three. Like if he's up there yucking it up with CJ Stroud or if he's up there yucking it up with whatever Ohio State quarterback the last 10 years that's been on there saying how they just trounced Michigan and they've been bad and there was a Michigan guy up there, people would be having would be going insane. Yeah, but I mean, I think we could both agree that Herb Street's held in a different regard than Desmond Howard. Uh, oh yeah, no, I would agree, but still, I and like Herb Street isn't—he plays Ohio State right down the middle. Yeah, hundred percent. Very—he does a very tough job, but he does it right down the middle. I think Desmond Howard's picked Michigan to win the Big Ten every single every, year. He's every yes. year he's been on ESPN. No, Desmond Howard is the homer of all homers, and whatever. If you want to say. Like, hey, that the whole Kenny Pickett, hey, you're in between Hutchinson. I don't really think there was anything wrong with that. The thing where Desmond Howard went wrong was by then throwing his offensive lineman under the bus of saying, oh, you did a better job than the Ohio State offensive lineman. I mean, you're also at like the Heisman Trophy ceremony. If you say that and you're joking around in like an interview beforehand, there seems to be a little more decorum, I would say, at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. 
Um, I don't know. I just, I, I mean, I didn't, I really didn't hear about this until yesterday, but I thought it was pretty shocking. And then I see his tweets. He's going, I'm not going to apologize for anything. If you don't get this, blah, blah, blah. The Sam's like, okay, Desmond, like bro, chill out. Yeah. No, Um, I don't think it warrants all that, but it, it just, it got very, uh, Cause like you said, there is some kind of decorum that you expect these guys to kind of follow at the Heisman trophy ceremony. You know, they hold it in such high regard that, uh, like you said, you know, if this was on the set of game day, all, you know, all systems go, go for it, you know, but with it being, uh, when it was, where it was and with who it was, I think, I think, you know, he, he could deserve a little bit of like a, Hey man, you know, maybe better time, better place for that. But at the same time for him to be like, Oh, I'm not going to take this back, blah, blah, blah. Like, it wasn't that serious. But it was – it did get a little bit of kind of uh, awkward there for a minute. I already got booed, too. Yeah. And also, I think it's kind of bad if you're just throwing other other players under the bus. Yeah. Like, I mean, they just had a bad game. What are you going to do? Yeah. I didn't see anybody chirping Michigan in the Heisman ceremonies the last 10 years, but whatever. I thought that was pretty – I would say that's pretty – I would say that's a standard Desmond Howard move. Yeah. No, hundred. Uh, that's exactly what that was. Hundred percent. A standard Desmond Howard move. But all right, that's going to be it for us. We'll come in with the bull picks on Thursday. It gets underway on uh, Friday, so we'll have that. Thanks to everybody for listening, and we will talk to you then. <laughs>